Hey, if you're someone who is launching a product soon, but you're dragging your feet, you're feeling a little overwhelmed and lost because you don't really know how you're gonna go from where you are today to actually launching the product and starting to see success, this interview is for you. In today's video, we're actually taking a look at how Brody Wilkinson from Big Spoon Pillow was able to take a really overcomplicated launch process and actually just hit nose to the grindstone and launch his product in 30 days with zero audience and how in the first three weeks he's been able to clear over $4,000 in revenue with 27 orders. So let's get into it. This is the Launch and Scale podcast, the home of some of the best e-commerce advice on the internet today. Whether you're launching your first product or scaling your existing storefront, we include conversations from industry experts, best practices, and practical tips to help you run a profitable e-commerce brand online today. I'm your host, Kirsten, and my mission is to create 100 seven-figure brands by 2027. If you're going to be one of them, be sure to subscribe and not miss another episode. By the way, for more resources and information on how to work with us, go to launchandscale.co. Remember, that's .co, not .com. Apart from that, let's get into the episode. Hey Brody, so excited to have you here. Good to see you, Kirsten. So before we get into the juiciness of kind of what are some of the steps that you took to go from your first social media post for Big Spoon Pillow into getting 27 orders and going from there, I would love to just learn a little bit more about what Big Spoon Pillow is um, for the audience and kind of how you got started with that. You bet. Well, I think it's a product that's kind of one of the first of its kind. It's a pillow that's designed for couples to cuddle and watch TV in comfort. Basically, if you're cuddling on the couch with your partner, I always found that your arm would fall asleep and it solves that solution. Super comfortable on its own and yeah, I've launched it to the world and I'm super excited. And I love the name. Like, I honestly couldn't believe that something like, I mean, with that name hadn't really existed. And like, I completely resonate because for me, like, I don't cuddle because my shoulder just kills after like 20 minutes. So I'm like, all right, I guess we're just going to stick to opposite sides of the couch. So yeah, I found once I started looking into it and that it was a problem on my own that almost everyone I knew and worked with had the same situation. And I initially was calling it the Chillo because Netflix and Chillo, but it existed yeah. as a brand and, you know, I sat on it for a long time and I was like, well, it's spooning and the big spoon just really was, I think it's an awesome brand. I've trademarked it in Canada, which is exciting. I think it, it yeah. describes exactly what it is. Yeah. And so how, when it comes to coming up with an idea for a product, there's two ways to do it. You can either do the the keyword research, which is go on Amazon, see what's hot and just kind of piggyback off that. Or you design something for yourself that is truly unique or it's like a new spin improvement on a product. And this is really unique. I'd love to hear kind of the origin story for how you actually got the idea for Big Spoon Pillow and how you decided that this was the idea that you were going to kind of pursue inventor and an idea guy even from when I was a young kid and I've even like went through the process of developing other products and looking into patents on a couple several other ideas and then at some point found out that they existed um, that they were already out there in the world so with the big spoon you know in hindsight you could always pick something that maybe had a 
higher margin or whatever, but it was that I was in love with the idea. And if you're not in love with the idea, then you're, there's no sense putting the energy into it. Like I had taken um, face or FBA courses, you know, which are for Facebook or Amazon bestsellers, but I just didn't want to like sell ice cube trays for circle whiskey cubes like someone else because there's just too much competition it's like i don't just need to create something out there in the world and i was passionate about the big spoon so it came up when my wife and i were in an automotive accident and we were spending a lot of time on the couch in our recovery we just wanted to be close to each other and couldn't do a lot else but watch you know game of thrones episode after episode and we just couldn't be comfortable you know once our injuries had healed enough that we weren't physically impeded it was just the regular old thing your arm your neck you couldn't be in that position for very long and you wanted to be so I literally couldn't use pills from the couch I couldn't use pills from the bed because they just don't do it so I took some memory foam pillows and cut them and glued them and put them in a thing and it's like wow this works like you need the void for your arm worked really well for us and we used it for a long time and it just kind of was a thing but I returned to work and I was, you know, talking to the guys about it and they're like, yeah, it's a problem. And I was just like, it is a problem. It is a problem. So I started looking online and there's nothing that you could buy to solve the solution that I had solved on my own. And, you know, time passed as it does with life. But then I was just like, it was always there. It was like, I've always wanted to be an inventor. I always love creating things. I've owned other businesses. I want another new business of my own because the business we had. At the time of the accident ended because of the accident and, you know, just the logistics of it. So I got just poured more energy into it. And then I just started refining it and building it better and building it better. And it kept going. I love that you had an idea that you thought was cool. And you started just floating that with the guys at work and started to get more traction, more validation that way. Um, But there's... A level of validation that because I think that any idea that I brought to my mom she'd be like oh sweetie I love you like it's great and there's a big difference between what people saying it's a good idea and it actually being something that can be a scalable viable product for a business that you can scale so I'd love to know um, what your what process you went through to take that from like hey the guys think this is cool to actually something that you're willing to put money behind develop a prototype and just go from there. Yeah, so with the you know, FBA training, I used some uh, online resources like Viral Launch and Helium 10. You can actually do research and see just what, you know, knockoff private label products are selling per month. So I took similar products like just pillows, weighted blankets, um, existing, you know, claimed cuddle pillows, whether it's a boyfriend pillow or there are pillows that have channels in them that are supposed to made for cuddling and sleeping and went to the reviews and saw the reviews weren't great. What was wrong with them? Okay, how could I fix it? You know, into the development, the commitment, I found that at some point in the 90s, someone had launched like a cuddle pillow for couples to watch TV. They got some press time on um, like, you know, syndicated television like good morning america so i'm like well they got press time it was a business yeah. it was old it wasn't the right time i saw how i could make mine superior so i saw opportunity and i just you know you constantly hit google does it exist is it out there what's the closest thing and the helium 10 revealed that you can make crazy volumes of sales if you hit it with a product and that's what you're good at 
and it can be more than a successful business for you know a private individual or a corporation so that led me to be like yeah there's something in this pillow it doesn't exist and then i talked to you know people who were strangers about hey do you have this problem on the couch or different age groups everybody was it was a problem and there wasn't a ready available solution on the market so i thought hey let's put some more time and energy into it and that's what i did and it it evolved so strangers like who who were these people well, so people that, because I worked on a television set, people that I'd met, they are called, you know, co-workers, but they weren't in my sphere. They didn't know me. Um, you know, you got feedback from blogs. You know, there's an episode in Mall Rats, literally, which is a movie 20 years old where Brody, yeah, yeah. immediately the character, same name as myself, is like talking about that exact issue. It's kind of like in the cultural zeitgeist, the sleeping arm, you, you know, you're crushed by your partner's head. So... It's known. Yep. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I love that you just, you hit on something before we started recording that I wanted to get into where um, I can almost tell if somebody, okay, please, I, I say this with a grain of salt because this doesn't always apply, but whenever I get someone on a call in the beginning who won't tell me what their product mm -hmm. is, I know they're going to have a lot harder time bringing that product to market than someone like you who had this idea, no trademark, no patent protection. You just started talking to random people about it to kind of float the idea. And there's a big difference between, between that because there's a level of um, insecurity and fear that happens when people are like, my idea is so good. It's going to rip, get ripped off too early. And that's a very real fear for everyone because when you start to put a product out there that you're kind of pre-patent, pre-trademark, you are really putting your trust that in it that someone's not going to rip you off too early. Um, so for that, how did you go through that fear of like, you know you've got something really, really good and you're early stage. How did you personally like, get over that hurdle so you could just say, screw it and start talking well, about it? Well, totally. Here, here's like the biggest reality is your fear is going to prevent you from accomplishing your dreams and what you want. And the reality is, is that unless you're talking to someone who is like an exact expert in your product or market who could execute tomorrow with infinitesimal ease, average person yeah. isn't going to steal your idea. Like, oh my God, with the big spoon pillow, I'm like, Three years in, sure, the launch happened in a rapid period of time when I decided I was going to do it. But the amount of work, the average person doesn't have the bandwidth or the ability to do that. So, like, literally strangers on the street will be like, oh, that's an amazing idea. But you think they're going to go home and, like, leave their job and take a hiatus or leave of work and risk everything on your idea? They don't have the passion. They don't have the ability. And they don't have the knowledge that you do. So, like, literally pulling complete strangers on a bus, if you ride the bus, sit down and ask them, strike up a conversation on the plane. Those people will give you feedback that you need. And I, you know, the earlier you can do that, you're going to know that you're barking up the right tree or the wrong tree. Yeah. My favorite Tim Ferriss quote is that one can steal ideas, but nobody can steal passion or execution. Yeah, completely. And I think for me, part of it also is because of my television and film industry. I spent years pitching television ideas. And the truth is you think your idea is unique and original. Like I thought nobody had ever thought of something like the big spoon pillow for ever. 
right? But you dig hard enough and someone at the exact same time is having the ideas just who's going to execute sooner and get it done, right? Like I said, I found a similar product marketed in the 90s. It was called the Armadillo. And then with the patent, because I've applied for IP, you find all kinds of similar products. It turns out there's a patent for a pillow that's made for couples to cuddle and watch television. That's what it says in the description. And that's the patent I'm defending against because mine's superior in my belief and will prove to be one that's accepted by the market and the execution and the looks and the aesthetic and the design. And that's what you need to do is somehow differentiate your product even to an existing product. Yeah. And there is a difference between talking to random people and then starting to post on social media, starting to build a wait list, starting to market a product and taking sales for it. Because like what it sounds like is you were getting feedback while you had filed the trademark, which took a couple years. You were getting feedback privately while you were doing patent pending. So you did the what you needed to do to protect it before you went public with it. Is that right? That's right. Um, I designed the Big Spoon Pillow with the thoughts that, hey, as an inventor, maybe I could um, license it to someone in an existing manufacturing situation or marketing company, pillow company. And so I wanted the IP. That's important. And I thought it was important. I talked to some people that suggested it was important. Of course, lawyers and people taking your money are going to tell you it's important. (laughs) Yeah, no bias Advice from other people that said, hey, it's a waste of time. Just jump right in, get stock, do it, and go. But when something's completely unique and original, you can't just go to Alibaba and start selling it and test the markets. So I went all in. It was a big risk. And when I did decide to, okay, I'm going to post in the public and get the public feedback, you know, your fingers are crossed. It's like, is there going to be enough people? Is there going to be enough interest? And is the market going to love this product as much as I do? Because at some point you can always get blinders on as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So one thing I found super interesting in your product journey is that you started thinking you wanted to go to Amazon. You went through the FBA route, which is great for getting your feet in the door, but you're selling commoditized products. You are competing on price. You're going into a super competitive space and you're not building a brand typically. But you did said, screw that. I want to go and design my own thing. I would love to know with Big Spoon, why did you decide to launch it on Shopify and not go to Amazon right away? Well, Amazon is a whole beast of its own, Shopify on your own, but I there's something super interesting about owning my brand and building a brand, which is what you would have to do on Amazon either way. So going to Amazon, no one's going to have any idea what a Big Spoon is as they are just learning what it is right now. Oh, the people know it's a problem and now they're like, oh, aha, it's a, there's a solution and hopefully this is the best solution on the market. There's a lot of things in Amazon in the back end that I just don't really like. I feel like you're never ever only customers and you're giving up a lot of, um, you know, potential profit just to pay someone else. So Amazon's not out of the cards in the future, but I want to build the brand right now. I really looked into Kickstarter, to be honest. And I spent yeah. over a year ago when I was in development and there was, or even 18 months ago, like listening to podcasts, really looking into Kickstarter. I purchased things on Kickstarter. It's an amazing platform, but mm-hmm. it just seemed like it was really 
expensive to launch on Kickstarter. And boy, you know, my launch has been, you need to have all your ducks in the rows, in the row, excuse me, to like perfectly execute a launch on Kickstarter or it's just not going to gain the traction. And there's just so much risk in that regard for, for me, I thought you know, that, that I could grow more organically on Shopify. And I was literally you, your YouTube. And when I initially came across you, it was like, why not to use Kickstarter or something to that effect? And it really just hit home with where I was sitting and my comfortable level of, um, you know, being and using Kickstarter. I wouldn't say it's a comfort thing. It's a, I created that video because, um, and by the way, I've linked up to it somewhere here, but, um, I made that video because Kickstarter just seems like the obvious choice until you're on the other end and you're like, wow, I spent all of my money that I needed for inventory on marketing and great. I've raised a couple, you know, $200,000, but now I need to go raise more capital because I can't pay for inventory or whatever. Right. And so when you look at the practicality of it, it's like, what is your end goal? And if your end goal is to get, proof of concept, um, start to build a brand and start to take pre-orders in a way that's not going to break the bank. I guess that's where the Shopify track is so um, great because even though yes, on Shopify, you have to bring 100% of your traffic, but you just have so much more flexibility. You're not married to a 30 day launch timeline where you need to bring in a certain amount of sales in a day. Otherwise everything's just kind of gone. Um, it's just a lot more flexible and you can really take out the middleman and go straight to the customer yourself. Yeah. And I, I was of the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to dump X amount of finances and I'm going all in to make this possible. And I have the finances. If you don't have it, then maybe Kickstarter is what you have to do. But how are you going to come up with the 20, 30,000 for the advertising to launch a Kickstarter? It's kind of a chicken before an egg. So I was like, I would rather invest that money in my IP and my inventory and my initial order that I'm self-financing of 1,000 pillows will always be there. And that's yeah. money in the bank when they're sold. So that was the way that I was going to do it. And then it was like, well, if you're going to build a, your own e-commerce website, Shopify just seemed like the easiest and simplest place to do it. And that's, you know, what you recommend for your clients. And I came across and decided to start working with you. And just that value has been incredible. So like, just like, yeah, follow the steps. It doesn't matter if it's, Wix or whatever, you, you have to do it. You have to execute this, that, 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 and that. There's a thousand products and a thousand ways to do it. Just pick one and do it or it's never going to happen. Yeah. And so at this point in the timeline, we're, you, you mentioned like you've been working on Big Spoon for three years, two and three quarters of that was product development, sourcing, all, just all the things. And about a month ago, you're like, let's go. And That's then right, yeah. you launch. Yeah. So I knew that there was a timeline coming up. I really wanted, you know, there was a deadline that I wanted to had an audition with Dragon's Den, so I wanted to be able to leverage and have that. And I wanted to have a product launched for them. And then I, you were, you know, in the background kind of, and I was like, okay, now it's time to really like, you know, pay up, start working with Kirsten. And then really just kicked me into gear. And then when we sat down and talked, it's like, okay, if you want to reverse engineer for this appearance in um, May, you need to have a certain time period and it was basically like hey valentine's is coming up if you can't do valentine's like i was late to hit that buzz but it's like it'll be there next year the valentine's post my first post was on valentine's day so like just do it and we okay it's going to be in like 
eight days. All right. Everything was already registered. I had all the social media accounts sitting there idle like a year. They're completely empty and unpopulated with no followers. So the brand existed like all my ducks were in a row. I had the content for the pillows. I had the website registration. I had the domains. I had the business. Like I knew I was going to do it. It was just like, when was it going to happen? When was it going to happen? In a unique situation where 100% of my energy outside of being a father, so my working energy is going into the business right now. I'm not juggling another job. So it was like, I was able to like, boom, 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 start crossing things off the list and then just throw up the first post and populate the other social media accounts, which are all Big Spoon Pillow, at Big Spoon Pillow, you're right. I was amazing that I got all the branding that I wanted and then just hit it. So it happened pretty quick when it was like, okay, you reverse engineer it and you pick a date. It doesn't matter what date, you just got to hit that date and then just do it. There's all kinds of ways to prepare for a launch and there's a mental mindset to a launch and everything, but I just kind of did it pretty quick and dirty. <laughs> Yeah. And so before we dig into more of the granularity of what you did, um, some stats, no paid ads, no email list when you were starting, literally you created social media accounts and we're starting from literal zero. So of the 27 sales you've had and over 4,000 in revenue at this point, what is your split between like, where did your sales come from? At this yeah. Point? So like... 70% of my sales have come from family and friends, people that I had an introduction to. And then rest have been like natural organic sales from people that don't know me. They made a known friends of friends. It came from, you know, the analytics, like a lot of Facebook traffic, I guess. Um, yeah. A couple of Instagram sales. And then we did some free media with local media which brought in the views to the website like several hundred views a day to the website and that you know trickled into one sale here two sales there and so there's been 27 units and it's not like it's a small ticket item like i would like to have this price lower it's it's 169 dollars, but i'm uh, absorbing all the shipping which is expensive for any product that you launch online on first because i didn't want that to be a negative sticking point in the in the checkout process so it's a higher end product. So I think some people are, you know, nobody knows me. Nobody knows the brand. It's a pre-order. People is on my website. It's clear you're not going to get it for 90 days. If they were shipping within a week, people would already have the first ones that ordered three weeks ago. But so it, it takes a lot of faith to spend $170 on a stranger on a website that you don't know. So that's why, you know, the family and friends were a bit of a kickstart. And, you know, I, that was no prep for them either it was like just boom hey guys some emails and then some social media so it was a surprise yeah so one thing you mentioned before we hit record because we have a conversation before we start recording and then i was like oh wait wait, wait. i gotta save that question for when we're recording so one thing you mentioned before was like before you just said you were kind of overwhelmed overcomplicating the launch process. And there was a time that something just clicked for you and you're like, why can't I just launch in three, four weeks? Everything that you've been working on for three years, suddenly you stopped overcomplicating it and you got focused. I'd love to hear kind of what your headspace was, when, like what exactly were you overcomplicating and what was the thing that got you to think, you know what, I, I'm getting in my own way, I just need to go. 
well, subconsciously, there's always the fear, right? You're going to throw your baby out there. That's a big one. So once you've gotten over your own internal resistance, then it's just the logistics of it and the timing, and you just got to go ahead and do it. For me, with this specific product, it was that, okay, whenever I offer, I need a window in time that I'm going to physically have to deliver the product. And I was having a point that was, it was really sticky and tough to like nail down a manufacturer for the product. So I want to be able to deliver and promise to deliver and not just be kicking the can down the road, kicking the can down the road. And there was a moment in time that happened to line up around the launch, which made it possible that, you know, secured who was going to manufacture it, had a good meeting and, and that's been achieved. So if you can't deliver the product, then, you know, don't start taking yeah, orders. Don't, don't necessarily launch. <laughs> Because then, you know, chargebacks or returns or refunds, you're just going to lose all that momentum and that could kill you. That's a really good point, actually, because I think that you're able to, you launched when you had confidence in your timeline. That's, and I think that they, is that accurate? That, that's, that's totally accurate. Yeah. Like it, I knew I was going to be able to execute without misleading anyone. And, that, you know, I want to, I'm a forthright and honest business person, so I want to fulfill and change the product is to change people's lives. And so if I can't deliver it, I'm not changing anyone's life for the better. Yeah. And so I want to take a second and like highlight this because, um, with Shopify, you don't have to spend months building this big audience. You can literally launch and start taking money, but the big difference between a Shopify launch and a Kickstarter launch is that Kickstarter backers know that they're waiting months for product six to 12 months sometimes. And when it comes to Shopify customers, not many of your customers are even maybe know what a presale is. And so there's a shorter window where you have to be able to deliver a lot faster. So Brody, you saying, okay, three months out from like I've locked in the manufacturer. I know we're getting product and we can deliver in three months. That's like that 90 day window is when you could start looking back and saying, okay, if I can deliver, June 1st, it means three months before then, I can launch my store April 1st. That's gonna be enough time that I know we're able to deliver. Um, and before that, because um, if you launch in like January when you don't even know when you can fulfill, you're right, that's when you're just gonna get either people coming to your website and, think, and seeing like, oh, I'm gonna come back in six months because I don't know what's up. Or after four months, they're emailing you wondering where their product is. So three months is a really great window where as soon as you locked in that shipment date, you're like, great, what's that 90 days? Okay, that's about a month from today. And at that point, when you kind of work with the end in mind of the fulfillment schedule, launch date happens, and then hustle happens. Totally. Yeah. And you know, timing wise in the year, I would have preferred my launch to probably have been, you know, <clears throat> in October, November, when people are full winter cuddle time. Like, I didn't want to wait another entire year. It just wouldn't have been wouldn't have been productive, and it would have been a waste of time and energy. So it it, it was what it was. But there was that window of ninety days. I've been totally be like straight up on the website everywhere. It's pre order. It's pre order. It's pre order. The confirmation email is it's a pre order. Everyone that's ordered to this point, I followed up with a personal email saying, "Hey, this is the date. It's the end of June delivery date. This is what's happening. The molds are being made." And then those initial people, I'm trying to really create into fanatics that can follow me through this process. They took a leap of faith to invest in the product early on, and they'll be rewarded by like you know intimate interaction and being part of the story. 
And then I just can't wait till it's in their hands and they can enjoy it and start getting the feedback because I've had everyone that's laid on the pillow as a prototype, you know, huge smiles on their face and loving it. So it's comfortable. Yeah. Um, with that being said, when we look at what that kind of buildup before launch was, um, friends and family, you had local press, which by the way, low hanging fruit, great thing. Like you live in small town BC, right? On the West coast. And sometimes people don't go for press because they think, well, the New York times isn't going to cover me. You don't have to go that big. You can actually start with really interesting, good, easy, low hanging fruit, easy. Um, local entrepreneur stories, small towns and cities love to rep alumni from your past college or university. Um, they want to see initiatives that have come up, especially if you've got a mission or a great story behind what you're doing. Um, so that was like, that was genius to go after those small town publications. Um, cause a lot of people don't think to do that. Um, clearly that worked in your buildup. Um, remind me, did you build a wait list? I had I literally cool. like in that 30 day period, didn't even have a Shopify website. I had a domain sitting on GoDaddy from the you know early origins of the idea when I chose the brand, uh, yeah. like boom, Shopify free account or, or, you know, 10 day trial. And then it's $2 for the first three months. So I'm still in the first, you know, still only paying $2 a month and I've already had sales, which is amazing. I've had payouts to the bank account. Right. Um, so you just, went live yeah and you're like i'm live yeah i had yeah it was you know in the private view while you're building it had a couple people take a look at it with a password including yourself and then it was just like turn it on do a test transaction my wife bought the first pillow with a real credit card and it went through and then you know phoned up my brother you know and had a friend from florida who bought the next one full pop and paid us shipping and it was like okay it's happening like there's a sale it's my brother said it's a seamless checkout it works good and it was, it was there so that was pretty crazy like and it happened fast but as i said i had everything to populate the website i'd been thinking about it and i watched a video that's like these are the 10 things you have to have for a high converting e-commerce thing and then i wrote out on a piece of paper like that's a perfect way to build a website is like, pretend yes. this is your screen. Here's your homepage. Okay, right homepage. What do you want? I want a picture of a pillow here and a tagline here and a button there, right? And then each page, keep it simple and small. Like I found, like nobody's went to the About Us page. You know, no people, the average time on my page, even though I'm super interested, it's like people are spending a minute. They're going to the checkout, leaving or, or buying. So, mm -hmm. It's, it's really Which different, different uh, time in our life where people's attention is short. <laughs> yeah. Talking to you is so refreshing because I think as a society, launches have gotten so, I mean, startups, go to market, have just gotten so inflated with things you need to do. And because of it, people drag their feet because the open rate isn't perfect or they're not comfortable on video or they need the beautiful big website or they need the investor. Like sometimes you just have to take it back to its core and do a simple launch because what you just did, let's say a big spoon went the other direction where you launched it and literally no sales that by just ripping off the band-aid and going to market fast and starting to take pre-orders for a product, 
suddenly you know that, oh, this isn't a viable product. Cool, I can move on to the next thing. As opposed to what I've seen in the market, which is people will sit on product ideas for years and they will spend six months orchestrating this big six-figure launch just to underperform and be like, what happened? Sometimes we just have to simplify it so that you have an idea quickly of, is this going to work? Why is it working? Okay, let's start simple and then get complex. Yeah, I think if in hindsight, like I had renderings for a long time and I had crude, um, more crude prototypes, that I would have started the social media earlier just to get into the flow and the practice and to get more of a buzz and then probably pushed to just like a landing sign-up page. So I would have had a little bit of an emailing list that were strangers because, you know, even in just the, the three weeks, I've collected like 200 people email profiles off of the website and like 80% of them are complete strangers, just a simple offering. So those are people that haven't purchased the product mostly. And there's an opportunity that once the product's in stock and it's not a pre-sale, or maybe once I can get my margins down a little bit, that they're potential customers, like they're in my pipeline until I've ruined my relationship by sending them too many emails and they unsubscribe, that's an opportunity, which is pretty amazing. And for me personally, just once I went to the social media, although there weren't buyers, just like literally, you know, dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds of comments of like, wow, it's here. This is amazing. You know, the first person that was like, take my money. I want one right now. They haven't necessarily ordered in this moment, but it just goes to show that the hype and the belief in the product was there was just validation after a lot of work. And to get that earlier in the process was probably more important because you see it all the time. People dump piles of money at the point where I am with a product that just is potentially not viable. And man, that would be heart wrenching and expensive and a setback. But then, you know, and you can pivot, you can adapt. Um, can I, the coach in me wants to say something. Can I give you some feedback? Okay. Cause the way you talk is the way most like 99% of startups talk in this one specific thing. You launch your product. And within a couple weeks, you had like a couple hundred emails and you have 27, 28 customers at this point. You had the, what you said was, okay, well, if they joined our list, I'm paraphrasing here. So if they joined our list and did not buy right now, maybe they're just waiting three months until it's in market. Not necessarily. It's not a black or white launch. Oh, I'm just going to wait because what you're doing is you are assuming that people aren't buying because it's pre-order. So instead, what you want to do is see your customer relationship like a journey. So it's not like, hey, we launched today and 12 people bought, so no one's ever going to buy or they're just, it's not like that. It's more, sometimes people have to be warmed up and they've got to be nurtured. And so the kinds of things that I would see is I think that you're going to see more sales trickling in from the original list that you have, but sometimes they want to see a production update. Sometimes maybe it's just they forgot to buy. Maybe it's the next blog you send out with cuddling tips. They're like, oh man, I love this guy. I'm going to buy this pillow. So maybe it's FAQs. Maybe they are waiting. So 
I wouldn't think it so much as black and white, more like, okay, you've got a ton of leads and some of them are going to convert at different stages. Yeah, you have to, you, you, that's a great reminder. Your, your end customer and the person you're serving is a human with a thousand things happening in their life. And the right time for the right product, it's like, you know, someone on, I think we got an order, someone on social media was like, I was just watching with my partner in the bed with the iPad. This is a disaster. I've ordered one. I'll never have to go through that again. And then I saw, you know, looking at analytics, a name I recognized, someone that I used, an old coworker from another city. You know, he'd got the email, he'd been on there, he'd been in the checkout, and he hadn't bought. And I was like, oh, well, he wasn't. But then, you know, three days later, he bought. And I sent him a personal message. It was like, hey, man, thanks for the support. I can't wait till you get your hands on this. This is going to be awesome. And he was like, yeah. I shared it with my fiance, and, you know, she really liked the idea, and we wanted to support you. So it was like that, you know this is a couple's decision and it's also not an expensive product. So it's like people will buy it for gifts. Maybe they're waiting and they're interested till it's their anniversary and they'll order it. Or maybe there's a thousand reasons why they might not buy in that moment, but your list is your list. Whereas like on Facebook or on Amazon, they're never your customer. You can never reach out to that person. Yeah, it's so true. Um, man, I feel like we could talk for a long time. So to wrap this up, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who is sitting on a great product but hasn't quite launched yet, what would that advice be? If you know you can deliver, just do it. Do it sooner rather than later because there's money out there to be yours. And if you sit on it forever, you're not going to catch any of it. Yeah. And in hindsight... Uh, if you could redo the launch, redo the last like two months, uh, what would you change, if anything? I'm in it right now. You know, it is what it is, and it's all the timing that it was meant to be. I don't know that there was a lot I could have changed, except for probably cultivating that social media earlier would be a great, great thing to do just to get the practice and just to get the awareness out there and the account validation and the traction. Like, it's Nobody knows the analytics, but it's really interesting. Like my TikToks literally get 200 to 250 views a day, every day, regularly. I don't know if that's just what they're allotting it to me. With You don't know if they're staying and watching the whole thing or they're just skipping through. But it seems super interesting that that's happening. Um, I know. So, yeah, the longer you put in your time and create good content that resonates with an audience, the more you have time you have to cultivate that audience. Well said. Awesome. Where can people find out about Big Spoon? Um, yeah. Uh, bigspoonpillow.com is uh, where we sell the Big Spoon. And all our social is on the website. But it's at Big Spoon Pillow. We got, you know, oh, man. We got the YouTube. We have uh, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook. We're, we're trying to do it all. Wherever you like to hang out, we'll try to be there. I love. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. Be sure to support Brody with a comment if you have any questions for him. And outside of that, um, guys, if you are looking for a hands-on mentorship program to help you through the launch process and get to your first six figures in revenue, be sure to check out the product launch pad or some of our free support tips just below this video. Outside of that, thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit subscribe on your mobile device. And for more resources and information on how you can launch and scale your e-commerce business online, be sure to go to launchandscale.co 
And we've also got a ton of free actionable content available on TikTok and YouTube. Just be sure to go to either platform, search for Kirsten, my name, K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N. Apart from that, we'll see you in the next episode.